Hello, everyone, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 24 of the Manly Hanley Podcast. This is the podcast with no limits on what we'll cover. I'm your host, Randy. Have a snack, sit back, and relax. This episode was recorded on Sunday, October 4th, 2020. Happy Pumpkin Spice Season. All right, so today's episode is a big nothing burger. Just decided to hit record, basically. So, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna title it "Untitled Document." How about that? So, just to talk about what my setup my setup here at home has completely changed. Not in the studio here, but like the underlying infrastructure. <laughs> so, what I'm running is I want to kind of de Google myself first. Um, getting Google out of my like I I you know. I'm not anti-Android. I think Android is great um, because the whole idea of it was based on an open source or Linux, and I think it's awesome. If you can de-Google yourself still, though, which I'm talking pure vanilla Android without Google on it. So a non-Google phone, very hard to do. That's kind of what I'm going for right now, um, but I'm not I'm not going to focus on the phone yet. I'm going to start with my house, and I already have. I got rid of my Google Wi-Fi, and I had multi um, a, a mesh system set up, actually all hardwired, um, so it was better than mesh, uh, four by four, super fast internet through Google. But I, I don't trust Google anymore, and um, I know I, I always know, knew that you know they sell data and all that, but I want to just get away from it. So I went with um, a p- product I used maybe gosh almost ten years ago, and I didn't know much about them then. And the the brand is called Ubiquity, uh, U-B-I-Q-U-I-T-Y. And they're great. They were great years ago, and they're known to be like a prosumer level. Not like Cisco Enterprise, but more like almost Cisco for your home, I guess, as far as performance. And the performance to price ratio is really good. For instance, um, I have a Ubiquity um, Nano HD f- for one of the Wi-Fi hotspots. I think that's like 140 bucks maybe and thanks babe she checked out the sound i appreciate it so that's what i installed in the house um thanks to krista for being super patient for the internet going down multiple times um i did it after hours but even then it's annoying when your internet goes off when you want to just browse and uh i forgot to crack this here i just shot water everywhere like a covid sneeze man get the, okay so anyways the um the internet went down quite a few times, and it was a pain in the butt because I switched hardware a few times. Got a different network firewall. Um, the I can't think off the top of my head. Basically, it's a little appliance that sits right after your internet and filters your internet. Well, the problem with the lower price, the lowest price models that they sell for like hundred and twelve dollars, I think it was. Um, it throttles your internet, and when you have a gigabit connection which we're, we are very lucky to have in this area, it dramatically... I hear some crackling going on in this. Hopefully it's not doing it on the feed, but um, when it's throttling, throttling your one gigabit internet to 250 megabits, uh, one quarter of the speed, that's a problem. So I sent that back, and I end up buying one of their li- little bit more pricey alternatives um and it's called the ubiquity um unified dream machine uh pro because there was an original dream machine that was like a wi-fi all built in one i just recommend going with the pro and then buying a wi-fi access point like i did same brand that that 
it's so easy to set up. It's ridiculous. You turn it on and it detects all the, the devices and you adopt them. And for me, not a super knowledgeable networking guy per se. I work with people that are knowledgeable in networking and know much more about switches. Um, it's a great still powerful networking device for, for home use. So if you want to get into networking, I recommend it. I think it's great. So that was really cool. And you, and you plug it in. And this device, the Dream Machine Pro, has the firewall built into it, has a bay for a hard drive that you can put in to record, I think, security cameras to it. Amazing. And it's like $400. That's very affordable because it also has the little server inside that is the... um what is it called? The Unify Controller System, or that's it's it's the control system. Originally, if you didn't have that, you'd have to set it up on like a computer or a server, or download the, or buy this cloud key device that plays that role. And you have to pile all these parts together to get all that functionality that you can just get in that one box by paying four hundred bucks. I think it's actually three something. I think it was it might have been under four hundred. And then your Wi-Fi hotspot. And here's the kicker: it's not like your normal Wi-Fi hotspot that you know farts out after fifteen people, twenty people. You can put according to their theoretical number, I don't know, 200 people. So that's in line with like maybe a school Wi-Fi or maybe some corporate Wi-Fi access points per access point. They never really do that many, in my opinion, from seeing performance in the real world. Because you have a wireless attenuation, you got the 2.4 gigahertz band that's always the most crowded. There's not as much layers for traffic. You know, all the, there's a lot of factors, but still... You know, pretend you live in a in a lead box and there's nothing else that can get inside your house from other people's Wi-Fi. It's supposed to hold two hundred or house two hundred people. That's really cool for a hundred and something dollars. I mean, I see ones that cost a thousand that do that. So, Cisco, Meraki, M sixty four. I don't know. There's different ones from from that brand that cost nine hundred dollars. You know what I mean? So, just something to think about if you want to get into doing your own Wi-Fi. And I, my house is wired, like there's wires in the walls to plug into those Wi-Fi um, access points. So that's really, that's that's something you want to look into if you can do that, like run a wire through your attic. I was fortunate enough to have one ran already to my area where like the, the fire alarm is and stuff. So that's what I did there. So our internet's back up. We're on a whole new connection. I'm actually wireless right now. I still will always swear by it's best to have a wired connection. There's no debate on that. It's just better to have a wired connection always. Um, it's just a convenience thing. But um, today I am because I had to just move things around and unplug everything. And I just didn't plug it back in. And I just hit play today or record and started going. So that's um, where I'm going there. Next, I also I have talked kind of here and there about getting rid of Facebook and I still want to do that, but obviously it's impossible if I want to do a live feed to it. I'm going to see if I can figure out a way just to keep this account active just for what I'm doing. So anybody that watches here is not going to see any difference, but I want to get Facebook off my phone. Not that Apple can't see everything I'm doing already. Um, I just, I don't know. It's, I think it's a battery drainer. Well, it is, it drains battery and I don't want them knowing so much about me. I don't like that. I, I, and Granted, they already know everything about me from me having it for years, I guess. Well, I can still stop it and start over, you know? So I think that's good. I, 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 um, I want to be a, a less um, a less active Facebook user, I guess. That's what I'll go for. And I'm starting to read more into the software, the open software movement, which I did 10 years ago, well, more than 10 years ago, 15 years ago, probably. And that's uh, Richard Stallman. He's... <laughs> He's an internet activist, I call him, I guess, like as far as um, 
uh, and I don't want to get to that level. I'm not going to ever. Um, I think he's he's like very. I mean, he's what he has to be for what he's doing, um, and that is like promoting um, free software. And and the guys the guys brilliant. Um, and but I mean, I don't think I'll ever be able to attain that level of uh, dedication to be <laughs> to getting all my software to be free. It's very hard. And a lot of people will say that, but people like you and I that rely on proprietary software to make a living, probably it's really hard and not always practical to get away from it. But he makes a lot of good points and talks about, you know, alternatives and people really can do it. It's just a matter of, you know, how hard can you work for it? I think, and you know, like for instance, in the, you know, if you're working at a company that you got all these software, um, proprietary softwares that you rely on to do your job, such as Adobe, which I do, place I work for uses a lot of Adobe, uh, creative cloud, full access, you know, everything. Well, I mean, is there something else that can replace it? Well, yes, but they might not have that one cool feature that Adobe marketed to you and made you think is the coolest thing in the world. Um, or, you know, such as Adobe Photoshop. Well, there's the GIMP. That's, that's a, there's a program called GIMP and it's got a ton of features. Is it as powerful as Photoshop in the wrong, long run? No, I don't think it is, but it's very powerful and it's free and you don't have a subscription. It's free forever. There's nothing else you have to pay for. It's just, I don't know. I think it's really cool. And that's, it's cool that a lot of people set their time, they give their time to make this software free and, um, that you know, what's in it. That's the thing. There's no hidden code. Just recently, uh, windows XP software, uh, the source code was, re- was re- uh, released and you know, maybe the people from 4chan or uh, like who've had the people that got the source code are going to look into it. I'm not going to dig through it. I don't know enough to dig through all that source code and figure it out. I mean, unless I had a year to do nothing but that, maybe, I don't know. I could find stuff maybe, but it's, there's people who are way better at that and, and code for a living. Um, maybe stuff will be found to show what Microsoft has been doing since 2001 or whenever Windows XP came out up till 2014 when it was, when it was killed off, except for some corp, uh, manufacturing environments and maybe, um, government agencies that's still active and it's supported kind of, but now the source code's out. They, they it, it, that wasn't intended. So the source code is what, if you, if you're not in, in the computers at all, is what before it's compiled into the product that you see, you know, on the retail shelves and, and all that, the source code is what makes it up. There's, there's nothing to hide. You can see its guts. You know, if there's like something in there, it's saying, send this to Microsoft, it's, um, you know, telemetry, like, send this to, you know, the government, whatever you can see with Linux, all the software and the open source software that makes it up is visible. Like everybody knows what's going on. There's nothing to hide at all. So it's very much easy very much easier to trust that product. I mean, that it's free. There's, there isn't, it isn't a product. Now companies make products out of it and support it and make money off supporting it. And okay, cool. Yeah. You know, know, if I'm providing a service, I'd hope to get something in return. Right. I mean, at least a sandwich. So if I'm going to do some work, I, I hope somebody feeds me. So, I mean, that's all I care about is food. But, um, yeah, so that's where I'm going. I'm going to try to be more open source. Uh, Randy, back in 2005, six, even before that, maybe. Yeah, before that, I was messing with Linux and reading. I knew more about it then than I do now. I know knew the concatenate command and how to use it. I 
kind of remember some of that stuff now, but it's like I'm starting over. I lazily just stuck with went back to Windows and stuck with it and just learned the stuff I needed to for my for my careers. So um I'm going to go back to the learning Linux and uh, being schooled by people probably half my age, but um, I think it's really cool and it's a beautiful thing because um, I could even talk about a little bit of this uh, website. This is uh, kind of where I'm not, I'm not going to become some software activist or uh, anything like that. I just still think that the idea of the freedom aspect about it, I love freedom. I think that it's cool. So let's go to uh, GNU.org. That's G-N-U. And I'll switch my screen over here. Did it switch? Okay, I think it did. And then I'll put my big ugly face up here. And the there we go. Hey, can't get away from me. Hey, hey, I'm down here now. Gotcha. Whoa, whoa, can't catch me. Oh, I'm over here. Oh, I'm up there. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, now I'm back. So GNU, <laughs> where's the page I had earlier? So. Um, actually, I'm running that on Linux too, by the way. That screen you see, the screen that's present to you should be on your screen right now, is Linux. This is the Vivaldi browser. Uh, a, I believe it's open source. Yeah, browser. Um, similar to like Mozilla Firefox, but it's based on Chromium, which makes up Google Chrome. So it can do all the cool things that Chrome can do, but not spy on you. So that's cool. But um, GNU is an operating system that is free software. They, they lay it out right in that first sentence. That is, it respects users' freedom. The GNU operating system consists of, and it's pronounced GNU, I've been told. I didn't know that. I would just say new if I looked at it, but the guy that I think invented it, Richard Stallman, the guy that, <laughs> slate, man, the guy that uh, basically set forward this movement, uh, I'm pretty sure he said it as GNU, and um, the development of GNU made it possible to use a computer without software that would trample your freedom. He's big on freedom, so that's cool. So where's the page that I had? Sorry, you got to listen to me breathe and think. Um, I don't know where the heck I put it. Oh, it's in my OneNote notebook that's probably being scanned by Microsoft. Um, yeah. Well, let's see if I can grab it before I... Uh, Pass out and go to bed. Okay, here we go. So it's GNU.org, and I bookmark it in OneNote. So I'm old school going to type it out. So it's uh, GNU.org. Shoot. GNU.org slash. It's hard when I'm like, I can't reach the keyboard. Proprietary. <laughs> Uh, P-R-O-P-R-I-E-T-A-R-I, uh, addiction, proprietary addictions. Now, I don't know what the medical, if that's really medical terminology there. Um, here we go. Um, so <laughs> I don't know, I don't know what the source is for this information, but it is info. It's, it's, I mean, I guess it's something that could apply to some people maybe, or, or it, maybe it has happened to people, but it says that non-free proprietary software is very often malware, which it is for, for in my cases that I've run into. Yes, I've seen it. Um, that's one of the episodes I did where I said, go to virustotal.com before download or while you're downloading something and run the, the installer through the, I mean, you can see that a lot of software that's non-free does have that in it. So it is designed to mistreat the user. I mean, it's going to like just reach out and slap you right in the face. Uh, non-free software is controlled by its developers. True. 
which puts them in a position of power over the users. True. It makes me think of the subscription model or like Adobe and Microsoft. That is the basic injustice. They are murdering you people. Just kidding. Uh, But it's still something to think about, right? The developers and manufacturers often exercise that power to the detriment of the users they ought to serve. Um, This typically takes the form. I mean, there's business too. I mean, you buy something, you want service. Hopefully you get the service. I mean, but you don't want to get mistreated or hurt. Okay, it didn't say hurt, but um, so they talk about how software is made addictive, and I do see some of these things in those pay-to-play games. If you think about those ones you get for free on your phone, and I'm like, some of this does kind of seem legit, like the way he's talking about it. Um, examples of addictive software, um, like this is back a few years ago. Remember when the App Store was easy for kids to get a hold of their those in-app purchases and just go crazy, and their parents had hundreds of dollars in mobile tokens on their bill, you know, stuff like that. But, uh, they say like clash of clans is a good, you know, a lot of these games, those ones were multi like hundreds of people are playing at once, but clash of clans is a good example of a gratis mobile game that its developers made very addictive for a large proportion of its users and turned into a cash medicine machine for themselves by using psychological manipulation techniques. And there's a link to the, uh, psychological manipulation techniques, apparently, but um, there's different titles for everything, too, like the Skinner Box, an environment in which the user is trained to push the lever. <laughs> um, that is to uh, do certain action over and over again in order to get reward. This is, And you'll notice on a lot of those free games, it's always like, you know, I can't beat this game. And it's like, download it. You know, like, and the person's like doing something like totally stupid. And it's like, I can't put the square in the circle. You know, I mean, something like that. And then it's like. Huh, could have won five thousand dollars. So then you go download the game. And you're like, I can put the square in a circle. Yeah, I don't know. But like, you get the, you get what I'm talking about. You see, you've probably seen an ad like this. And um, if you're on social media and play games, and you're a targeted advertisee, I don't know. But uh, virtual food pellets, items that have nothing to do with the game itself, but are valuable to gamers because of the work required to obtain them. Like some people will end up collecting them for the sake of collecting, right? So you just keep getting something. And that's true. It's almost like a casino. It's that same high frequency clingity clangity noise when you are given something, even though you just lost more money by giving to get back that slower return. So that's something to think about. And this site talks about all that, but their main focus is free software. And um, Richard Stallman, I don't know, very interesting guy. If you listen to him talk, he's, I don't agree with everything he says, but um, I mean, there's probably a lot I don't agree with him, but I think he's still you should give listen to some of the things he talks about why software should be free the guy is very intelligent uh seems pretty cool so um yeah richard stallman s-t-a-l-l-m-a-n i think this is all his his site here i mean this is like he started this like in the early 80s like when i was like one years old (laughs) um one year old i think like 83 or something which is pretty crazy so he's he's really dedicated to this and i think it's cool so all that stuff's covered by like you know the Linux operating system is it, it's it's this belief and and like you know it's it's a good one it's it's there's philosophy and activism obviously and this is it's not like he's going out and smashing car windows or anything like that but he's just you know he seems like a pretty cool dude and um you know like not telling you to use a certain computer <laughs> use this computer wham just my, but um. Although most of the GNU project's output is technical in nature, it was launched as a social, ethical, and political initiative, as well as producing... So I think it's something that both sides could support, though. Both sides being if there's 
right and left, I guess. But like, I think everybody, because I mean, can support having freedom for the software they use. So, with that, that's all I really have to say today. Um, next week, hopefully, I have a scripted episode and I'm not just babbling. So, uh, thanks for listening to the podcast. I'm going to cut this short and say, have a great weekend. Bye.